Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The O Show podcast is powered by Pinecast. It's also brought to you by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. The O Show podcast is also brought to you by TickPick. No hidden fees, an online marketplace for events. Tickets based in New York City that allows users to bid on tickets. Go to TickPick to get your tickets now. Always so great to hear, especially after a sweep that's almost as good as flipping through the channels on a TV and How I Met Your Mother comes across the screen. See, this is a great theme song. But anyway, welcome back to the Osho Podcast, episode 63, presented by Belly Up Sports. Be bold, stand out. It's also presented by TickPick. Gotta emphasize the T and Tick Pick. Go get your tickets now. $20 off Yankees D-backs this week at Chase Field. I am your host, Jack O'Hara. The Osho Podcast is most definitely not an Orioles podcast. We are always off script, and our tickets are always on sale for a limited time. This time around, uh, you got about a day to get 20% off your tickets. Yankees D-backs this week, downtown Phoenix in the desert. Um, well, let's kick off this episode. We're going to recap Yankees, Giants, by the Bay in San Francisco at Oracle Park, not AT&T Park, Oracle Park. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Just like T-Mobile Park. They may have bought out Safeco and AT&T, but it'll always be AT&T Park and Safeco Field in San Fran and Seattle. But anyways, Yankees pick up the sweep in San Francisco this week. All around, good feel win, good series win for the Yankees. A couple more uh, guys to look out for on the injured list, potentially. Um, Gio Urshela gets hit in the hand. X-rays came back negative, but at the same time, you got to look out for stuff like that. Um, DJ LeMahieu, inflammation in his right knee. Aaron Boone says that they hope they don't put them on the DL. You know what? You just made the list. Now hold on, Chris. Hold on, hold on. I don't think that they're going to go on the list. I think that they're going to be day-to-day. I could even see uh, Gio Urshela back in the lineup on Tuesday in Arizona. Uh, I don't think that one's that serious. His x-rays came back negative. Obviously, there's some swelling on that hand after being hit by Nick Vincent in the fifth inning on Sunday. 
but he should be good to go. DJ LeMahieu, I think, day-to-day, give him a few days off. Uh, he's going to go see a... X-rays on him were actually negative, too. He's just going to go see an orthopedic doctor uh, just to check out that knee. Hopefully he doesn't go on the DL or the IL. I'm never going to get used to that. But the Yankees already have 13 players on the IL. All their stars, and now even the backups are getting hurt. And why is Aaron Boone the only one that has to answer all the questions around here? Like, they need to set up the Stevie Donahue press conference table before and after all the games. Like, Stevie, why is everybody getting hurt? Does anybody stretch before the games? I mean, uh, Judge with the oblique, Miggy with the shoulder, Giancarlo's currently still on the IL, his uh, bicep strain, which originally put him on the DL, again, IL, never going to get used to it. Uh, The bicep strain is completely healed, but during his rehab, he got a cortisone shot in his shoulder. Just out of nowhere, a shoulder injury occurs for Giancarlo Stanton. Sanchez had the calf strain. He's back in full force. Had a big week in San Francisco. We'll get into that. Seve's still shut down. Batances hasn't thrown either. Even Clint Frazier, who's supposed to be everybody in outfield's backup, uh, had an awkward slide. I mean, nothing really you could do about that. It was just a bad slide, uh, straining his ankle there. Hicks, his back, I mean, the guy literally signed a seven-year, $70 million extension because of his injury past, which was nothing. And now, like literally, as soon as he signed it a week in, he's out for at least three months. And uh, Didi, of course, with the TG surgery, TJ surgery, Tommy John. John with a G, uh, he'll be out until at least August, you'd think, so, I mean, I'm really done talking about this, I mean, is there a chance it's the strength and conditioning? Yes. Is there a chance that the Yankees carry insanely bad luck all the time? Yes. Is there a chance that there is a combination of both? Absolutely, and that's probably what it is, but you have to start looking into this stuff with, uh, strength and conditioning, Stevie Donahue, like, he should legitimately be answering questions after the game. Where's his press conference table? Stevie Donahue should be answering some questions about uh, this Yankee team and their health, not just Aaron Boone. Um, Judge is probably going to be out until at least July, August. He'll be out a while. Stanton should be back within the next month or so. Again, that bicep strain completely healed. Just another injury occurred out of nowhere. Um, And a heart... Believe it or not, my cynical ass isn't even going to poo-poo this one. I thought Miguel Andar was going to be out for the duration of the 2019 season just because um, they said that it was a separation in his shoulder with a torn labrum. And basically, it was either that he was going to take some time off to heal it properly and hope that it all works out, or he was going to have season-ending surgery, which looked inevitable. I thought that was, that was going to be the only option. He was going to be out until 2020. He might actually be back in the Yankees lineup when the Yankees return home later in the week, which is astonishing to me that the Yankees, I mean, I don't know how great he's going to be. I mean, he's not going to be 100%. And for a guy as young as he is, I thought surgery was inevitable. Um, He's 24 years old, so you got to look out for his health first and foremost. I think Aaron Boone even said that. So I'm kind of shocked that he could potentially be back by mid-next week. He's expected to participate in extended spring training on Friday in games, so he's going to be tested right off the bat with that right shoulder in an extended spring training game on Friday, so it should be interesting to see. I mean, that's a big bat in that lineup that the Yankees could use back uh, next weekend when they face the Twins at home. 
But that's next week. This is this week. The Yankees got two in Phoenix against the Diamondbacks. You got CeCe Sabathia going up against a guy named Merrill Kelly, who has a decent ERA, so it should be a good game. You got Masahiro Tanaka against the guy who has more home runs as a pitcher than anybody else in the big league, Zach Ranke. He's been a way more effective hitter this year than he has a pitcher, which is weird. But he throws against the Yankees on Wednesday afternoon, that game at 12.30 Mountain Time. Uh, but let's get into the Yankees recap against the Giants this past weekend in San Francisco. All good things, despite those two injuries, Lemayhu and Urshela. And again, the New York Yankees, they've been cursed with more injuries than you can count on both fingers. 13 guys on the IL. They've won nine of their last 11 games while basically borrowing the scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders roster. So let's be honest. No Judge, no Sevy, no Stanton, no Didi, no Miggy, no problem. They took three of four at home against a Royals squad who, albeit scuffling to start the season, um, then the Yankees uh, set out to the West Coast. They took three of four against another scuffling Angels team. Uh, they came into that weekend with a record of seven and eleven, I believe. So they took three of four from Anaheim. They took the first game in fourteen innings. Gio Urshela, the happy fella. Sack fly in the 12th inning, RBI single in the 14th inning. Remember, Chapman blew that save in the 12th inning. And at that point, you're kind of just like, all right, you're up so late, especially for those people on the East Coast. It's probably like 1, almost 2 in the morning. Let's just go all night. Let's go 21 innings. Let's break records. I'm already going to miss work tomorrow. I'm already, and it's already 2.30 in the morning. Let's let's break records. Gio Urshela with the RBI single, um, 14-inning win uh, Tuesday. They went up 7-1, Luke Voigt with two jacks, tiling up that tab in Anaheim. He's been on base in 39 straight games, which is astonishing. Apparently, he's been using uh, Andahar's bat, which is which he's basically giving all of his success to. So while even that he's even though he's on the injured list, Miguel Andahar's bats are still producing many hits because Luke Voigt is just coming away swinging out of his shoes. It was a Six-hit weekend for Luke, and uh, he's using Andahar's bat, which is 34 inches, 31 ounces, as I'm reading here, uh, which is apparently an ounce lighter than Luke Voigt's normal bat. And that he was asked why the change. He's just like, because the guy's got so many hits with him, plain and simple. He went three for four with two RBIs on Sunday, and uh, Voigt had uh, used Andahar's bats on occasions last year with some success uh, last summer going into the fall for the playoffs, but now he uses it all the time. He's, he was just like, I was thinking about it, uh, one of those mind games, baseball superstition things, and it's paid off. So 39 straight games for Voigt. That's the longest uh, in the MLB right now, and it's the longest streak by Yankees since Mark Teixeira had uh, 42 games uh, with a base safely. He reached base safely in 42 straight games back in 2010. But Voigt hit two home runs in that game, the second win in Anaheim, and then uh, the third game, the Yankees were down 5 nothing. So CC gave up that three-run homer to Cole Calhoun in the uh, fourth inning. They went down 5 nothing. Uh, chipped away in the seventh inning. Few fielders' choices, few sack flies. Just before you know it, it's 5-5. So on the top of the ninth, Tyler Wade, who actually uh, got fooled with the hidden ball trick, which is, I mean, I've never done that. I've done a lot of bad things on a baseball field. I've never done that. Has to be embarrassing for the guy who's basically competing for playing time right now with all the injuries. Um, comes up in the ninth inning, picks up a base hit with two outs, steals second, and then DJ LeMahieu 
drives him in with an RBI single. Yankees win that game 6-5. So after spending the week in SoCal, the Bombers headed to NorCal to play in the Bay Area and to be specific, took on the San Francisco Giants at, again, not AT&T Park, but Oracle Park. So Friday night, it was the Big Maple. Maple syrup, pour it up. James Paxton towed the slab by the Bay. Uh, he, he came off two phenomenal outings at home. So just to look back, he threw eight shutout innings of two-hit ball against the Red Sox in an 8-0 Yankees win, then six shutout innings of three-hit ball on uh, Sunday against the Royals, though he didn't pick up the win because uh, Adam Ottavino and company blew the game in the eighth inning. Uh, the Yankees actually lost the lead. It was 5 nothing in the eighth inning. Royals scored six runs to make it 6-5. Yankees go on to win the game, of course. Austin Romine with the RBI single in the tenth inning. But two great starts against Boston and Kansas City. He'd go up against uh, Madison Bumgarner, Mad Bum, who although will forever be remembered for his uh, domination playoff performances back in 2014, three-time world champion, hasn't been all that great in 2019, I gotta say. He has a 4-3-0 ERA through his first four starts. And uh, to be honest, Paxton wouldn't be uh, lights out in this one. But he would get the job done. He threw uh, five and two-thirds innings, only allowing three earned runs on five hits. Would pick up his third win. He's now 3-2 and two after two really bad starts early on against the Orioles and the Astros. Past three starts have been solid for James Paxton. So pour it up, that maple syrup, the big maple in the Bronx. And uh, the Yankees offense would help him out. The Yankees offense uh, really picked up their pitching in all three games in this series. They put up seven runs on Friday, including another Luke Voigt-Jack. Ninth inning, two-run blast off uh, Mark Melanson over the center field wall. So... The bullpen, though, in that game, a little bit shaky. Uh, Zach Britton, he was actually, he got the first two outs of that seventh inning. Yankees were up 5-3 at the time, and he went up 0-2 on the third batter he faced. It was two outs, nobody on, 0-2 count. He would uh, lose that hitter, walk him, and then he'd walk the next two. He'd throw 11 straight balls in the process. So Zach Britton completely lost the zone, uh, causing heart attacks all around for Yankee fans. Uh, Bases loaded, two outs, up by two. Uh, Boone would call on Adam Ottavino, who basically buckled the knees of Buster Posey with a 2-2 slider to leave the bases loaded. I mean, it was a nasty, nasty pitch. Adam Ottavino has got to have one of the best sliders in the game of baseball. Absolutely fooling Buster Posey to leave the bases loaded. And I wouldn't be a polite podcast host if we didn't mention Cameron Maben's Yankees debut, too. The 2017 World Series champion picked up an RBI single on the very first pitch he saw in uh, pinstripes. Well, in the the road grays anyway. So first pitch of his Yankee career, laces a single up the middle in the first inning. That gave the Yankees a 1-0 lead. Uh, Mabin is basically being acquired by the Yankees for depth due to their extremely depleted Yankees outfield with, like I mentioned, Judge, Stanton, Hicks, Frazier all on the list. You just made the list. And again, is it strength and conditioning? Maybe. Bad luck? Maybe. Who cares at this point? They're winning games. It was a good win all around on Friday. Paxton continuing to pitch well. Voigt continuing to smash the ball. And as I mentioned, the 39 straight games after the weekend. So it was a quick turnaround for the Yankees, though, with a 1 o'clock start uh, the next day on Saturday. J.A. Happ on the mound for the Bombers. Uh, he hasn't been all so special this year like he was last year. He was 7-0. and going into the playoffs last year where he only made it out of the third inning against the Red Sox in ALDS Game 1 at Fenway. 0-2 currently this season. He did have a great start uh, against the Angels on Monday. Seven innings, 
Only gave up three earned. That led to the 14-inning extra inning marathon that happened on Monday. Um, But he's looking to capitalize on this start. And boy, did he ever capitalize. So he threw seven innings this time around. Five hits, no earned runs, no walks, only picked up two strikeouts. Great defensive stab from DJ LeMayhew in that game. But a great turnaround for J.A. Happ, who, again, was not looking great. The Yankees signed him to that two-year deal with the option for the third year. It hasn't been a great season. Like, if you were to go into the playoffs in the ALDS right now, it would be Tanaka, CC, and Paxton. Like, you're not, Jay Happ's not getting a start. So this is a good feel, good win feel for Jay Happ. Um, seven shutout innings of baseball. Finally picking up his first one. He's now one and two. Uh, and the Yankees offense once again backed their pitcher like they did on Friday. With seven runs, six quick runs in this one, capped off by the farthest, longest hit grand slam in the StatCast era uh, off the bat of El Kraken, Gary Sanchez, releasing the Kraken for his first career four-bagger off of a giant starter, Derek Holland. High drive, left field, Austin turns, looks, see ya! A grand slam for Gary Sanchez, and the Yankees lead 6-0. So they go up 6-0. And Luis Sessa would replace Jay Happ in the eighth inning. He threw a scoreless inning. So heading into the ninth, you're feeling good. Up 6 nothing. Everything's going great. It would be in the bottom of the ninth inning, however, that Sessa would give every Yankees fan a heart attack, giving up four runs on four hits. He gave up two home runs to Young Harvest Solarte and Eric Kratz, both former Yankees. And Aroldis Chapman would actually have to come into this game to close the door. So he only threw four pitches to get... Uh, Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval swinging to pick up the winning game too, so he picks up a save. And the series win for the Yankees wasn't, it was so easy going, such a feel-good win up until that ninth inning made it so much closer than it had to be. Just a bad start for Luis Sessi. He's had a great year in the pen all year round, just a bad outing. So it got stressful towards the end, but an all-around feel-good win for the Yankees as they took the series in San Francisco. And it would be a similar scenario on Sunday. So Domingo Herman towing the slab against uh, Pudge Rodriguez's son, Derek Rodriguez, who's been good. Don't want to put him in his father's shadow, but he is a Hall of Famer. But Herman, who uh, pitched, he's been very good. He's pitched tremendously in the place of Luis Severino. He's 4-1 and one going into this game with a 2-5-6 ERA. He pitched good enough to pick up his fifth win on Sunday. So he wasn't phenomenal. He threw five innings, gave up four runs, in uh, the fifth inning, Yankees were up 8 nothing. That made it 8-4. But he pitched good enough to pick up the win. Yankees got right to Derek uh, Rodriguez with four runs in the first two innings, including Luke Voigt again, two-run single. And then Glaber Torres would actually turn this normal Sunday afternoon, no holidays, he turned it into a holiday. Glaber Day in the fourth inning, launching his fifth jack of the year. Bartender, serve one up, left center field. And it wouldn't be long before Gary Sanchez, who had seven home runs in his first 14 games, and remember, hit that longest grand slam in the StatCast era uh, 24 hours earlier, he'd get in on the celebration of Labor Day too, as the Sanchino would blast off to Ding Dong City again, clearing the left field grandstand, and uh, though he it wasn't close at all, but Michael Kay said it was almost close enough to hit the Coca-Cola bottle in the process. Drive, left field. Solorde turns. Look, see ya. A monster home run for Sanchez. 
Wow! And almost hit the Coke bottle. And it's 8 nothing Yankees. I get what he was trying to do, but that wasn't even close. If he got close to the Coke bottle, oh my God. Like, that ball Aaron Judge hit a few years ago that almost hit a retired number against the Orioles, that wouldn't have hit the Coke bottle. That calls a load of barnacles, but I get what he was trying to say. But uh, Sunday's win wouldn't come without sacrifice. So, like we said, DJ LeMahieu left with a knee inflammation in his right knee, and then Giovanni... Urshela left hit by a pitch in the hand, which uh, basically meant that the Yankees had no depth on their bench. So, although the injuries don't seem too serious at the moment with LeMahieu and Urshela, the Yankees were left with no option on Sunday but to pinch hit for Domingo Herman in the sixth inning with J.A. Happ. Yep, you heard that right. J.A. Happ. And uh, he's not a good hitter. He's just not. And he proved it on Sunday. So, just like in Saturday's game... Uh, the Giants, again, wouldn't go down quietly. They scored those four runs in the fifth inning to make it 8-4. Uh, Kevin Pillar, who was acquired from the Blue Jays just a couple of weeks ago, hit a home run in the ninth inning, but the Yankees would prevail. They picked up a few more insurance runs in the top of the ninth inning. Gary Sanchez picking up another RBI. Yankees win it 11-5, and the Bombers would be out. They'd uh, tally up the bar by the bay, like I said, four jacks at Oracle Park, which is pretty remarkable considering that the Giants... They've only hit seven jacks at home all season long, including those two home runs that were hit against Sessa off the bat of Solarte and Kratz. Uh, Cameron Maben picked up an R- another RBI on Sunday as well, uh, double in the ninth inning, making the most of his stint in New York thus far. And despite a few rough innings on the mound from Sessa and even Herman in that fifth inning on Sunday, there's really nothing to complain about this weekend at all. Uh, Bronx Bombers show up in full force. Blasted four home runs, Luke Voigt keeping his on-base streak alive at 39, along with three quality outings from Paxton, Happ, and Herman. So now they travel to Phoenix, uh, where they're going to take on a surprisingly good Diamondbacks team. They're 16-13, and 13. they lost 2-3 of three from the Cubs, lost a 15-inning thrilling game on Sunday at Chase Field. But the Yankees, two, Tuesday and Wednesday, they got CeCe and Tanaka on the mound. They looked to bounce back after basically getting roughed up in Anaheim, both really not throwing well. CeCe not throwing well a little bit more than Tanaka. Tanaka threw well in the first four innings. He gave up four runs on two home runs in that fifth inning to tie the game at four. Um, but they both got roughed up. So they go up against Merrill Kelly and Zach Greinke, respectively, but start spreading the news. The Bronx Bombers are back. They've won nine of their last 11 given that they are basically borrowing the Scranton-Wilkes-Barre Rail Riders roster at the moment. And uh, look for a few guys to come back again. Miguel Andahar, I poo-pooed all over that. I thought he'd be out for the entire season. He could be back next week, which is awesome to hear if you're a Yankee fan. And you know what makes it even better? The Red Sox continue to lose. They're 11-17. and They lost 2-3 of three to the Rays, who have been running roughshod in the AL East. Again, I think the Rays are going to make the playoffs. I've said it before. I think they'll be a wild card team, if not win the division, if the Yankees and Red Sox don't play well. I mean, the Yankees, as good as they've been, I don't think they're, they're going to be able to sustain it with the roster that they have. I expect them to start losing games eventually. But the Red Sox have everybody. Nobody's hurt for the Red Sox, unless you count Dustin Pedroia as an injury. He was barely a part of that team last year. Um, the Red Sox still looking for answers. Chris Sale still searching for answers. And a victory, too. He's 0-5. Um, <laughs> 0-5 in six starts. 
He gave up a two-run home run to Daniel Robertson in the first inning against the Rays, and then uh, Yandy Diaz hit a two-run triple in the second inning and gave the Rays a quick 4-0 lead. They never looked back. They won 5-2 on Sunday, and Chris Sale, who's probably the most real person to the media and his post-game press conferences, basically said, i got to keep saying the same things over and over again. It's a step in the right direction. He threw well through seven innings, got past those first two innings, was lights out in the next five innings that he threw. He's like, nobody wants to hear that, but I'd, I'd love to be sitting up here and talking about wins and all that. At the end of the day, you've got to do what you got to do. I'm grinding. I'm trying to find a way. But 0-5, you have four runs, two earned. Uh, those runs in the second inning weren't earned. Red Sox made a few errors. Um, four hits, three walks in seven innings. Picked up eight strikeouts. Again, it wasn't a bad start. Quality outing. He lowered his ERA from 7-4-3 to 6-3-0, which I guess is good. But he just signed a $160 million extension, six-year contract to stay in Beantown at Fenway Park and Lansdowne Street. Uh, that happened in spring training. So the 30-year-old off to the worst start in his big league career. And then you have on the other end for the Rays, Tyler Glasnow, who came over in the Chris Archer trade, six foot eight, toe in the slab. He's 5-0. He gave up two runs on five hits in six and two-thirds innings with nine punchouts which is now tied for the big league in uh, wins at 5-0. and So Glasnow has only allowed um, two runs or fewer in all six starts of this season so far. The Rays, Rays don't, they, they, like, it's a bunch of ragtag misfits in their lineup, but they're pulling it together. So the 25-year-old, um, I guess, was excited to face Chris Sale, um, one of his favorites for a long time, and uh, he beat him. And the Red Sox actually swept the Rays last weekend in Tampa Bay. That got them back on the winning track. All Red Sox fans, including the guys at Section 10, even believe that this was the turnaround. They even stopped their sons out, guns out pod. Bang, bang, skeet, skeet. You don't want to see us in the street. So the Rays are now a major league best, actually. 18-9. and nine. They've won 8 of 9 series this year, and that's how you do it. That's how Kevin Cash's team is winning games. Red Sox are now seven and a half games out of first place, which is astonishing considering they won 108 games last year with the exact same roster that they have right now. I mean, they lost Craig Kimbrell. That's about it. They extended Bogarts. They extended Sale. They have Martinez and Betts together for at least one more year. Martinez actually missed the entire weekend with the uh, back spasms, which again, like, not serious, but yeah, that sucks. I've had back spasms. Not fun. Not a fun injury at all. You know, it is fun, though. Um, Having the best prospect in Major League Baseball make his debut this weekend for your team. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. made his debut for the Toronto Blue Jays against the Oakland A's in Toronto this weekend. Uh, Vlad Sr., Vladimir Guerrero, Hall of Famer, by the way, just got inducted a few years ago. They made him wear a name tag, and he didn't take it off up there in his uh, press box with the rest of his family. Like, everybody knows who you are. You shouldn't have to wear... Uh, a name tag up there. I mean, come on. He He's a Hall of Famer. You should know who he is. And his son is the best prospect in baseball, making his debut at just 20 years old. And uh, basically, he's the hero now. He's the unsung hero of the country of Canada. I mean, imagine being the most beloved athlete in an entire country. I mean, I think that they overuse that in the media for some propaganda. I mean, Canada, yes, it's not a part of the U.S., but it basically associates itself with the U.S. when it comes to sports anyway. 
but Vladdy Guerrero in just three games, he's already getting standing ovations at Toronto Raptors playoff games. I mean, Marcus Stroman was there with him at the game, and even he was just sitting down clapping for him. Like, nobody gave a shit about Marcus Stroman that day. It was all about Vladdy Guerrero Jr. kissing babies before games. I mean, the guy only has three hits in the big leagues. So let's take a look. So on Friday, um, in his first at-bat, he grounded out sharply to first base. It was a good at-bat. His second at-bat is the at-bat everybody was talking about. 3-1 pitch, fastball on the inner part of the plate, crushed it down the left field line. The cameraman made it seem like that ball was headed into the fifth deck at Rogers Center. I forever hate that cameraman for the angle that he put out because it was just a long fly ball to left field. Great catch by, I think it was Chad Pinder, the left fielder for the A's, but Jesus, like, that ball looked like it was going to be hit into the fifth deck. Like, what are you doing? God, you, you know what happens, cameraman, at Rogers Center when you don't properly do your job? Yeah, I do. You know what's going to happen to him? Do it. You got to do it. You know what happens when you uh, aren't good at your job around here? You know what happens when you do things the wrong way around here? You just made the list! I mean, he even fooled the uh, poor Buck Martinez on the call for the Blue Jays. Take a look at his call. It is swung on and ripped. Deep left field. Yes. That ball is caught. Are you kidding me? Caught at the wall by Chad Pinder. Vladdy slammed that ball to deep left field. It just didn't have enough on it. Pinder ruins the dreams of Blue Jays fans everywhere. <laughs> ruins the dream of Blue Jays fans everywhere. So did the cameraman. Even even poor Buck Martinez was just like, yes, that ball's going to get out. And he's like, oh, wait, didn't even clear the wall. So you just made the list. Uh, but all, all around a good uh, debut for Vladdy Guerrero. He picked up that double down the right field line for his first hit on Friday. Came around, uh, was actually pinch ran for, but... Uh, Got to Sarah Knight Brandon Drury, who hit the walk-off home run for the Blue Jays that night with a nice uh, walk-off bath, the Gatorade shower. I actually think he went 1-for-4 in every single game this week. So he went 0-for-3 going into his at-bat in the ninth inning, then he was 1-for-4, picked up a hit on Saturday. Uh, infield hit off the glove of the shortstop, and then in the ninth inning, 0-for-3, on Sunday, 3-0 pitch, chased an outside pitch. I mean, it was on the corner. It was a strike. Uh, laced it into left center field for a base hit. Wasn't a quality 3-0 pitch to swing at. Takes a hack at it anyway. Picks up his third hit. So he goes 3-for-12, still hitting 250 on the year. But hey, he goes to Anaheim this weekend. Might have a big week. I'm predicting that he hits at least one home run. One jack at one of the bars in Fullerton, Orange County, Anaheim area. One jack for Vladdy Jr., and you know Vladimir Guerrero Sr. is going to be there in Anaheim. Former team, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, should be fun. So, so, so we recapped the Yankees and the Giants. We talked about Chris Sale's awful start and the Red Sox awful start for that matter. I mean, if you couldn't make things any worse, I think they named their top prospect Ice Horse. Michael Chavis, his new nickname is Ice Horse. So, whatever. Uh, Vladdy Guerrero... Should have a good week in Anaheim. Had a decent uh, homestand at home. Picked up three hits and 12 at-bats. Not a bad homestand for the number one prospect in baseball. Still looking for his first long ball. Insane power from Vladimir Guerrero. 
it's going to be interesting, very interesting to see who wins Rookie of the Year this year. Both I know uh, Fernando Tatis went down with an injury, did the splits yesterday in D.C. Hopefully he's okay, but you got Tatis Jr., you got Guerrero Jr., Juan Soto, Acuna Jr. Like, there's a lot of good young talent. Like, the future of baseball is already here. They're all 20 and 21 years old in the major leagues, kicking ass. So we'll see if they continue to do that. Hopefully they do. Uh, but to wrap up this show, time for everybody's favorite segment here on the O Show podcast, the O-Down Throwdown presented by Belly Up Sports and Tick Pick. Remember, uh, Yankees D-backs this week in the desert. Get your tickets by uh, checking out this episode as well as episode 62. Who is the D-backs second baseman in the 0-1 World Series that went on to play for the Yankees in 2005? So here it is to close out the show this week's O-Down Throwdown. <laughs> Jr. jumps the scene in the Great White North. Hell, two babies pick up three hits, looking for his fourth. He hit a jacked deep left field. It was hard to miss. That's because it was caught. Cameraman. Chris Sale is 0-5, what the hell is happening? The Sox are 11-17, what the hell is happening? Just when you thought couldn't be much worse, Michael Chavis' new nickname is the fucking Ice Horse. It's a terrible nickname. He approves of it, though. Alright. Bombers break out the brooms out by the bay, looking to sweep the snakes, heading into May. Gio Urshela is awesome. He's a good fella. If you hadn't heard the call. Gio Urshela, the most happy fella. Nice. O-Down, Throwdown, presented by Belly Up Sports this episode. Presented by TickPick. Go get your tickets now. Tune in for episode 64 next week. All episodes available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Tune in wherever the hell you guys get your shows. We will have a full countdown, top 30 list of the most famous John Sterling calls in the history of Yankees baseball past and present players. I'm your host, Jack O'Hara. You are not. Hit it, Hootie.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.